I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Welcome to Mischief Makers, your one-stop shop for all things mischief. Join your host, Dave Hearn, as he finds out what makes mischief, well, mischief. Hello, and welcome to Mischief Makers. I am Dave Hearn, and with me I have the simply excellent Mr. Henry Lewis. Hello, Hen. Hi, Dave. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Very well, thanks. Very well. Um, So, um... I'm kind of making the program to uh, reach out to mischief fans and uh, help them to get to know us, assuming that they want to get to know us. If they don't, (laughs) uh, this content is not for you. Um, Yeah, uh, like I said in the previous one, if you listen to that with Mr. Henry Shields, I have no post-production skills. So we're going to do this in one take and there will be no cuts. So uh, if something happens, (laughs) it's in. Okay, Um, Okay, good, good. I'm ready. I'm so, ready for one, uh, one take. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. We're going to smash it. Um, <laughs> so I'm kind of beginning each thing uh, with... Um, you've got a slight head start on this, actually, because we did a test run yesterday. So you know yes. this question is coming. But it's okay. um, it's about things on everyone's mind about the old coronavirus. Uh, but can you mm. think of a way in which the coronavirus has affected your life in a positive way? Uh, yeah, I think I can. I mean, I think that um, obviously, like, you know, it's horrible. And, you know, there's been, you know, a lot of people are ill, a lot of people that, uh, you know, dying. And, and, and obviously, everyone's lives have been changed very dramatically, very quickly. Um, but I think, you know, you can find some positivity in it. I mean, I've been, like, I think everybody has, you know, home for a sort of a whole week. And, um I think it's allowed me to just uh, relax a bit, to de-stress a little bit. Um, with Mischief, we've had lots on for a little while um, and we've been been busy and we've gone from one project to the next without much sort of gap. We went straight from, 
the TV series into workshopping of, of Magic Goes Wrong and then straight into uh, Grown Ups and, and Magic in, in the West End. So um, it's been a really, really full on time um, sort of doing notes on edits of the TV show while doing a tech of a stage show at the same time. And, you know, so things stacked up. And I think um, I'd just sort of become really, really tired and, and, and a bit stressed. And so actually having a week where you know, rest and, and time off and, and being at home has been enforced has actually been really great um, in some ways. Um, uh, obviously, it's it's strange and it, it's uncertain and, 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 you know, as well. But certainly that's a positive. And I think being at home and getting to spend more time with Caroline, my, my partner, you know, has been really nice. And um, so I think, I don't know, those are the positives I would say I've found. That's great. Yeah, I think um, a lot of people have sort of said that they're connecting more with their family and people who they wouldn't usually reach out to or like wouldn't reach yeah. out to so much. Totally. Well, I've spoken to my dad probably more, you know, this week than I have for a while, you know, just on the phone and stuff and my mum too. And we had a nice chat yesterday for Mother's Day. And, and, um, and yeah, so it's been it's been a good time to, to catch up with friends. I mean, we did a, uh, a mischief quiz obviously the other day on on zoom uh which mm. was good fun and nice to get everyone together and uh, um so yeah i think yeah weirdly i don't know yeah i have spent more time probably socializing this week than i have done for probably a long time yeah and i found that somehow i'm way busier than like i usually am even when i'm doing a show <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know what you mean yeah so, yeah, yeah. It is weird. Uh, okay, well, let's uh, let's go dive into our first section, which is getting to know you. Um, now, I don't have anything prepared, so I don't know <laughs> what usually I'd play <laughs> is I'd usually play like a jingle. It'd just okay. be like getting to know you. But I thought could uh, I'm asking everyone to improvise a short three second jingle. Okay. So could you give us uh, your getting to know you jingle? Yeah. Okay. Here goes. Getting to know you. Percussion. Nice. Yeah. I, just, I mean, that was, uh, I've hurt my hand quite badly doing that, but we, <laughs> I, I think, yeah, I mean, I don't know. How was that? Was it, should it be more musical? I'm not very musical, but I could do. No, um, that was, that do, was great. I could whistle. Yeah, please, please do. Getting to know <laughs> you. <laughs> There we go. I think that's that was marginally better than the first one. Yeah, it was good. Uh, although was both good. were both were bad. What did you uh, What did you hit? Just the floor. I got a wooden floor, and I'm I'm actually oh, sort of wow. sat on the floor with my back against an armchair, so I, I'm in a good position to to hit the floor. Perfect. Yeah, using what's around you, I like it. Um, well, in this uh, first section of getting to know you, I have decided because I. A good thing about doing these kind of interviews is obviously I know you guys all really well, uh, mm. so I can kind of ask you things um, that uh, people might not know about. Um, but it's actually the first question I have is uh, something I'm uh, I've always wanted to know. So obviously you are a founding member of Mischief, and you're one of the three writers. Uh, you're also the artistic director of Mischief, and an actor. So uh, there's clearly a lot of stuff you're very good at and a lot of stuff that you can do. But I think I think uh, what people really want to know is uh, what what is something you're very bad at? Oh, I tell you what, I'm bad at a lot of things. I'm really I'm really not uh, as you've as you've just seen, I'm not very musical. Um, I really mm. can't sing. <laughs> um, that's something I'm quite bad at. 
Um, I'm quite bad at, um, I'm really bad at drawing. I can't draw at all. I'm oh, really? really? I'm really amazed by people who can draw. I find that such an amazing skill. I thought about doing a, uh, doing a, doing a class, doing a course in it, but I ended up doing photography instead. But um, no, I, I, I really can't do that at all. I don't have any knowledge or understanding of how that works at all. I would love to be able to, to do that, but, uh, but no, I can't. Yeah, Nancy's really good at drawing, isn't she? She is, yeah. She's great at drawing. Well, all the stuff in the Grown Ups program was all, all drawn by her, wasn't it? Um, yes, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. That was very cool. Yes. Yeah, so bad at drawing, bad at singing. Bad at drawing, bad at singing. Absolutely, you know. Can't be in, like, art the musical. <laughs> no, no. Although I'd love to be in art the play. That's a great play. What a, what a good show that is. Oh, I don't um, know. Have I, I don't know what that is. It's a play by Yasmina Reza. It's a three-hander, and it's about a guy who buys a piece of modern art, and the, uh, the it's just a white canvas, a blank white canvas, and he thinks that it's this amazing piece, you know, that it's just sort of, you know, it's very subtle and nuanced, and his two mates just think he's nuts for having bought it. Um, and it's sort of about, about that, and kind of, I don't know, but a bit about, I don't know, it was sort of about, when I saw it, it was kind of about, middle age and, and, and breaking down a bit and it's great it's very funny and uh, a very good play i saw les dennis in it and he was brilliant les dennis is great he was so good in uh, in extras yeah i'm a big fan of les dennis yeah that episode um, is quite heartbreaking actually it is it totally is yeah and um so you've obviously been acting for for quite a while and i know um you were down at the Questus theater in ealing a lot when yeah. you were younger so uh, can you just tell us a bit about your experiences there performing as a as a young man? Totally. Well, so I started Questers when I was about 14 and I was in uh, whatever it was, the year nine youth theatre group. Um, and it was great. And I'd done a bit of youth theatre before, but um, Questers was great because uh, you as a youth theatre member could audition to be in all the shows that were on the kind of adult member shows. They do, I think, about 20 different shows a year. Um, it's, the I think, the most... Um, uh, it's got the most members of any community theatre in Europe or something. And um, it was really, really cool. And so I got to do shows there. And I did, uh, like, a, a, every Christmas they did a production. So I did all sorts of different things. Uh, production Peter Pan. There was uh, The Lion, the Witch, The Wardrobe. Um, and there were um, youth theatre shows as well. Guards, Guards, uh, based on the Terry Pratchett novel. And all sorts of different uh, things. Um, and me and a few of my friends from a youth theatre group also started kind of writing and doing sketches and that kind of thing as well. And we were able to put those on and get a bit of an audience from from those. And I was also able to work with Michael Green there, who uh, wrote uh, The Art of Course Acting, um, which is a, a brilliant book uh, published a long time ago now, uh, all about his adventures in amateur theatre and all about <laughs> funny anecdotes about bad actors and people who couldn't act. <laughs> um, and it's part of a series. There's also uh, The Art of Course Rugby and The Art of Course Sailing, I think. Um, and um, it's a really funny book. And he also wrote uh, course acting plays. Um, and so working with him was kind of uh, where I first started to experience that kind of comedy, which obviously was a big influence on all the goes wrong stuff that we've done. Uh, so, no, I had a brilliant time there. It was really, really cool. It was with um, uh, two of my friends, Niall and Michael, from Questers that I entered the Young Magicians competition um, uh, with the Young Magic Circle, UK uh, Young Magicians competition. And we did a comedy magic sketch, uh, sort of 15-minute comedy magic sketch uh, for that uh, that was really, really fun. And we got through to the final. We came third. 
uh, and that was cool. And I really enjoyed that and uh, worked with our youth theatre teacher, Alex Marker, uh, who directed it and sort of uh, designed the, the, the props and all that kind of thing. And so that was really re- rewarding and good fun. And I, I've sort of been reminded of that recently because Ben Hart, uh, who is the magic consultant on our um, show Magic Goes Wrong and um, and uh, it recently uh, came, uh, I believe, third in Britain's Got Talent last year. Um, he was in the competition the year I was in it and then went on to win it the next year. Uh, and so he actually had been in touch with the guy who had all the archive footage and he sent me a video of the of the act uh, that we'd done all those years ago. And I watched it back wow. and it was kind of... Uh, it was amazing to see that after all those years. I'd forgotten most of it. Um, was it any good? There, I mean, it was youthful, I think. Um, <laughs> but it was. there were a couple of really good gags. There's one really good gag, yeah, uh, that I thought was really uh, was really funny. He had, uh, I played the magician and, the, and, and Michael and Niall played the assistants. And um, uh, there was a joke about a handkerchief in a, in a box. And he kept putting the handkerchief in the box and it kept not vanishing. And so he... Um, the magician gives it to the assistant and um, tells him to go off stage and uh, and um, and get a magic wand. Uh, and he doesn't know why. He's like, "Why do we need a magic wand?" And he's like, "No, I think it, the trick would work if we had a magic wand." And uh, he sends him off again. Uh, and he's like, "Oh right, yes, I see, I see. A wand. It would work if we had a wand." So he takes the box off stage with the handkerchief in it comes back on very they're all very confident now yes there we go there's a magic wand it's going to work now very good and everyone thinks that he's taken the handkerchief out when it's been off stage and he opens the box and the handkerchief's still in it and he's <laughs> furious with it which i thought was quite funny uh you know and it's kind of works uh i don't know it's always bad to explain the joke isn't it but yeah no it works no that was great maybe chuckle i yeah. think um how old were you when you guys did that i was 15 so that sounds like a joke that thirty-year-old hen would come up with as well. So you know, fifteen-year-old <laughs> hen, head of his my... time. <laughs> Either that, or my sense of humour has not developed at all in a decade and a half. But you, you know. haven't <laughs> the lessened sense of humour. Yeah. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Um, you mentioned earlier, so are you amongst your many interests of, of uh, kind of writing and uh, magic uh, mm. and you do photography. I know you do a lot of, um, you go to a lot of sort of seminars and stuff on uh, on different subjects. Can you tell us a bit about the ones that you've gone to see and, and why they interest you? Yeah, I do. I, I find I find it um, I find it really interesting. And I, my mum got me uh, as a Christmas present, Christmas before last, membership to the Royal 
uh, institution, which is an amazing place, uh, kind of tucked away in Mayfair. And there's a lecture hall there. Um, and they do all sorts of different science talks. And uh, there's lots of stuff online as well, if people want to kind of catch up on that. Well, people are stuck at home. They have a really great recordings of all their their different talks and they have discussions sometimes with different experts giving different points of view and all sorts of different things and it's mainly about um uh, obviously mainly about science but it's um all sorts of different topics i've been to one that was about uh, ancient uh, sort of language and hieroglyphics and i've been to one that was about cryptocurrencies and um various different ones about space and time and quantum mechanics and all those kind of things um i went to one uh, by, uh, I can't remember, an American scientist now whose name escapes me, but uh, he'd written a book called The Fortunate Universe. Uh, and that was amazing. It was all about the idea that if we do live in a, a multiverse, if there are multiple universes, uh, there could be different laws of uh, physics, different constants uh, in different universes. And so actually, maybe we live in a very fortunate universe because um, the conditions in our universe and the uh, the way it works and you know the the, the constants uh, have allowed there to be uh, matter and have allowed there to be uh, you know planets and stars and, and and life on our planet and perhaps other other universes aren't quite so lucky perhaps uh, he was he gave the example of um, if um, uh, if nuclear reactions happened at different temperatures um, you could have a universe in theory where you know you're, you're making a cake and you put all the sort of mixture into a tin and then you put the tin in the oven and then it comes out and it's just a block of lead uh, and that would be wow. that would be one universe where it's like that and so life and you know very little could exist in that universe and so perhaps we're we're in the one lucky one where where stuff happens that's really cool yeah. that's a really cool that was actually you've answered my next question which was uh, do you have a favorite space fact but uh i think the sort of meta universe thing is very cool. Exactly. Um, well, that actually, uh, I think, will bring us to the end of the section of getting to know you. Very good. Um, so, could you give us a getting to know you outro? Getting to know me. You know me now. <laughs> that was very good. So that was a whistle and a floor bang. Yeah, you got both both instruments there. Nice. Um, yeah. Nice. Yeah. That was great. So these are the next up is some questions from the web, um, which is the title. But um, okay, I don't know if there's a better title. But they're just questions from people on Twitter. But uh, okay. questions from the web. Questions from the um, web. Yeah. So um, yeah, could you give us a question from the web jingle? Questions from the web. <laughs> no, that was just you closer to the mic. Oh yeah, I was trying to move it around. I don't know. Maybe you didn't. Maybe you didn't. Maybe I did again. Questions from the web. Yeah, that was great. So yeah, in and out. Some... Was that good? Yeah. Were you just like swinging it around your room? Yeah. Yeah. By the cable. Um... <laughs> very good. Very. Uh, I'm sure we won't lose you at any point now. <laughs> um, so the uh, the first sort of set of questions a lot of people have been um asking specifically about writing mm -hmm. uh and so uh what the first one is uh what is your writing process do you plan it all out or do you mostly improvise it all uh, it depends what we're writing i think um but um you know we work in um various different ways but usually 
uh, for uh, goes wrong, for example, for, for the goes wrong series, uh, we would have uh, you know a process where we kind of get together, me, John, and Henry Shields, and uh, we sit in a room and we come up with some ideas for different episodes, and we'd sketch episodes out, and we'd try and get quite a lot written quite quickly, uh, spend maybe a week, two weeks per episode getting it all down, getting it on on the page, coming up with lots and lots of different jokes and different things. And then we take it into a room with everybody else. And, um, uh, you know, we get all the cast together and we read it and we maybe get some of the more sort of tricky bits up on their feet, especially if it's sort of physical comedy bit. It's good to kind of try it out in the room and uh, and get it working. And there's lots of new ideas that come in at that point as well, lots of different jokes and uh, and thoughts from the rest of the team um and then we take that away again we do a bit more writing redrafting and refining and get something a bit uh, uh, a bit clearer and um also with the tv quite often you know there's the director and the producer who will chip in thoughts and stuff as well um and also uh, the design team the art department as they start to realize what the set will be like and how it's going to work we might do a bit of adjustment to the script at that point as well to make sure that all the physical stuff works and uh you know we'll we'll refine that based on uh, on the specifics of the of the set um and then you know we continue to work, to work like that as as we move on just in more detail getting into rehearsal we'll st- we still might change a few things tweak things here and there um and then you kind of in a way with the tv you know you're you're still writing it even after you filmed it because um you know you're you're editing it so you might be making cuts and stuff later on and you'll be uh, trimming things out here and there or if the episode's a bit too long you might need to lose something um, so that's kind of the, broadly the process uh, for, for, say, the TV show. Hello. And it it sort of uh, we add stuff in as well, don't we? Afterwards, with the with the TV stuff, um, with like ADR and stuff. If uh, if we've had to like cut something out. We might have to add a line in to sort of make it clearer. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, sometimes if you need to bridge between a couple of different things, or if just something just isn't, you know, hasn't been recorded uh, quite quite clearly enough, uh, then yeah, you can you can add things in. Or uh, if someone's sort of facing away from camera, you might even put you could even put in a line uh, that wasn't there on the night uh, in order to, to to bridge together a cut. Or yeah, absolutely. And. Um... You mentioned sort of like working with the designers and stuff like that. Has uh, has anyone ever kind of read a script and just been like, "Are you serious? Do you actually want to do that? Is that even possible?" <laughs> yeah, that most that's most things we've written. To be honest, <laughs> um, <laughs> think, um, yeah, and they were kind of known for doing stuff that is quite often physically ambitious. I mean, we did. Uh, I mean, generally, most projects have had that kind of that kind of moment in them. Uh, with ninety degrees, uh, which was the final episode of the TV series, um, certainly there was a lot of that. Uh, obviously, you know, large portions of that, if you've seen it, are uh, take place at ninety degrees to the floor, or, or one scene one hundred eighty degrees upside down. Um, and so there were enormous complications with that. That's why we filmed that episode last to sort of give ourselves the most time while we were doing the other episodes for the design team to work it out. Um, but no, I mean, people were really, really concerned about that and concerned about the safety of that and concerned about whether it was even possible uh, to be done. I mean, the, the, there's a big scene around a, a big, long dinner table. I remember a meeting where we had the dinner table. It was while we were doing the previous episode. Um, we had sort of next to the set for Harper's Locket. Behind it, there was a big, long table set out the right way up. Um, with all the props on it and there was a phone on the table and plates and briefcases and things that needed to be there 
Um, and we had a meeting where we were sort of going to work out exactly, you know, exactly how far the chairs were going to be from the table and exactly where the things would be placed on the table because all everything in that sideways set had to be structural. All the chairs had to be fixed and welded in place. Everything was part of the structure of the scenes. It wasn't like a normal set where, you know, you could... You could walk in and if the table wasn't in the right place, you know, you could move it a few inches, you know, so that the shot was right. Everything had to be correct before the set was built and nothing could be changed afterwards. So that was very stressful, I think, for the design team because, you know, they, they had to get everything absolutely right. There was no room for adjustment, you know, even of just, you know, the furniture or, or, or a prop or, you know, something small. So a, a lot more planning had to go into that. Um, so that was, I think that was stressful. And, 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 and that was a moment where people were like, is this going to, is this going to work at all? I remember one of the guys from the studio in the production planning meeting was, was saying, you know, this isn't going to work. You know, people, pe- pe- people's, <laughs> he was almost on the verge of tears. You know, he said, you know, people's blood's going to be pooling in their arms, you know, and, <laughs> and you know, it, it won't work. He was just, there was a lot of anger and a lot of upset about it. And uh, we had to just sort of, stay calm and, and just stay 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 cool and 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 work forward and ad- adapt where we needed to and and uh, in the end i think it turned out okay yeah i think i i remember certainly with 90 degrees cuz um we ended up i ended up switching roles in the end mm. and i think uh, you and i swapped roles i think that's right and um and i think i i remember kind of going oh okay and kind of going through everything and even in my mind, you know, with all the mischief history and stuff like that, I was just like, just in the back of my mind, it was just like, well, I'm, I'm just going to keep doing it until I'm told that I, I can't do it. But I'm assuming this isn't going to happen. And like in my head was just like, I don't know if, if this, I was like, yeah, I'm sure it's possible, but I, I don't know if it's, if it's, if it's safe. But then the more and more we kind of did it, I think, um, I remember after that first day of rehearsal, I was absolutely exhausted. But I remember just thinking that, oh, the problem now is that everything is too safe. It's that we we just desensitize to it so quickly, yeah, yeah, and kind of get used to it so quickly, yeah. And it's it's a big difference, I thought. With well, I suppose it does happen in theatre, but you seem to spend so much time planning to make sure nothing goes wrong and no one gets hurt. And by the time you actually do the thing, it it just feels like it's a, it's too much safety, but I suppose that's the best way to have it, isn't it? I think definitely better too much safety than too little. Um, but in it, it is tricky because you know safety guidelines are pretty stringent on TV because you know you're working with uh, you know the BBC or big big you know big channels who have you know obviously for for good reason have uh, health and safety standards that have to be met. Uh, but when those standards come up against trying to do physical comedy, that can be tricky for sure. And so um, to move away from TV and, and sort of bring it back to theatre, mm. um, how how do you find, uh, I know it's different for each show, but how do you find techs as like from <laughs> rehearsal into tech and then finally into previews? Um, well, I mean, I think, you know, all the, 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 the um, elements are fun for different reasons. I mean, I think I really like being in the rehearsal room because it's sort of a safe space. Uh, and you get to try lots of different things out. Um, and you, you know, it's the first glimpse as a writer, you get to sort of see your work and your ideas coming to life. And that's really cool, really exciting. And, um, you know, when something comes off the page and, you know, it ends up being 
uh, you know, as, as funny as you hoped it would be, that's that's really nice. Um, you know, obviously stressful when it's when it's not, and you've got to rewrite it. But you know, that's a really fun time. Uh, tech, I mean, you know, it can be intense. You know, usually is a stressful time. You know, you're usually going into the theatre. You haven't got long. You've got lots of new elements. You may be working on the set for. Uh, maybe not the first time, but sort of, you know, you're getting used to new elements of the set. And um, usually it's the first time you've had any lighting or, you know, the first time the sound's all been there and the costumes come together. So uh, there's all sorts of, of different things and different challenges. Uh, you know, when we did Grown Ups uh, in the tech for that, you know, we had uh, a big challenge of sorting out one of the scene changes. Uh, it didn't quite work in the way we thought it was going to. And so we had to come up with a bit of a plan for that. Um the tech for magic was really interesting because I think for magicians, uh, technical rehearsal is a huge, huge thing uh, because, uh, you know, for them with a magic trick, you know, it's not quite the same. If you're rehearsing a play and it's a scene with two people sat at a table, you can do quite a lot of that in a rehearsal room and you get quite a good idea of what that's going to be. And obviously you put it on stage under the lights uh, with everything, you know, looking just right. It it improves it and, 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 and makes it mm. feel more complete and more real. But for magic, kind of until you're kind of there in the space with the lighting and with the right backdrop and with the right kind of, you know, sound effects and, 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 and with the smoke and with whatever else you need and the, exactly the right prop in the right place, um, you know, until you've got all that together, there's kind of almost not necessarily a trick uh, at all or the illusion doesn't isn't complete until everything's in place. Uh, and so for magicians, the tech is, is a huge deal because it's almost sort of like the first point where you actually see the the magical effect as as intended, um, and so I think it's an, a, a nail biting time for them also because uh, you know you've got you've 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 got to hope that all the planning works and the trick uh, the trick uh, is is right when you put it on stage. Yeah, I have to say, like some of the uh, you know looking at some of the tricks in the rehearsal rooms, uh, you know from there to the tech is it's quite amazing because it's uh it's some of the, some of the tricks in the rehearsal room are quite stark and there's not much cover yeah <laughs> and you feel quite exposed as a performer but then with the tech you just sort of are aware how the set and the lights kind of really do influence so much of how a trick is seen by an audience well so much of magic in the you know, stage illusion is about you know something being you know painted a dark color in order that that bit of something doesn't look as big under the stage lights and so obviously if you're looking at that in broad daylight in a rehearsal room it's it can be certainly yeah totally underwhelming <laughs> but uh, yeah. on stage it's very different yeah absolutely um well sticking with magic for a second the, someone has asked um why has uh, gwyneth paltrow appeared now in two of your plays <laughs> well that wasn't actually <laughs> intentional although we did realize we thought oh absolutely actually that is uh that, that has happened. I think, I mean, she's mentioned in Grown Ups because uh, she's written the self-help book that Moon uh, has read. Um, and I think we just thought uh, it, it was, you know, why not take take the mic a little bit there? Because I think she is known for uh, for writing some, some pretty out there stuff and uh, putting some pretty out there products on the market. <laughs> mm. um, and then, I don't know, I think um, in Magic, I don't know, I think it was just... Um, it was a fun name that began with a G, and so we, we sort of thought it was a it was a fun thing for uh, for Mickey to to misinterpret uh, in uh, in in the seance scene. Yeah, uh, yeah, because I asked the same question to Shields, and he was just like, "I think just because I kind of hate her a little bit," and uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, he said you've sort of got a 
a key into the psyche of the writers. Uh, just occasionally, <laughs> Gwyneth Paltrow comes up in the uh, in the writing room. <laughs> She's on the forefront of all of our minds. Mm. For some and um, <laughs> what uh, someone's asked, what is the uh, what's the best heckle you've ever had in in magic? Yeah, well, there's been lots. There's been lots and lots and lots of great ones, and there's been some brilliant stuff. Uh, my favourite thing, I think, that happens in the show sometimes, not not very often, but sometimes, is um, during the bottle trick uh, when I'm slamming my hands down onto the paper bags to try and find uh, the one uh, to, to to find the ones that don't have the bottle in it and leave the broken bottle untouched. Um, people get involved in that quite a lot and shout stuff out. I always really like it when kids uh, get involved and, and, and shout stuff out. And I go into a sort of pick a fight with a kid is quite fun uh, <laughs> just because, you know, that's just really petty. And I think that's just kind of who <laughs> Keith the Mind Mangler is, you know. Um, in terms of um, the earlier routine where I get people to shout out their jobs, the best job I think we've had was Horse Whisperer. Uh, which mm. was just totally bizarre. I mean, I didn't even realize that was a real thing, uh, but it totally is. And someone was a horse whisperer. Uh, so that was, was it legit? That was good fun. I don't know. I mean, she said she was. She said she was retired, but before she was retired, she was a horse whisperer. And as far as I can tell, I mean, she if it wasn't legit, she stuck to it because I I questioned her uh, quite a lot about it, um, <laughs> and she seemed to have the answers. You know, uh, she. I said, "What do you say to the horses?" And she said she couldn't tell me. Um, and sure. uh, you know, yeah, um, whisper a trade secret, absolutely. Well, you don't, you yeah. don't want to give away what you've said, it's like the queen, you know, you can't say what you've, what you've said to the queen, <laughs> yeah, that's so true. You got to keep the mystery of the whisperer. <laughs> um, and uh, have I got anything else for magic? No, I don't actually. Um, so do you find it hard? Obviously, you've written and performed in all of the shows, do you find it hard? Um, to recast the show either kind of emotionally invested in the show and in the parts or is it um more of a kind of practical challenge uh, i think it is a practical challenge i mean i obviously emotionally invested in the show but not uh you know in a way that means i'm upset to sort of give away my, my part or anything like that uh, it's always <laughs> been really really fun to to recast the shows and I think we've done it so many times now with lots of different shows that I think we're kind of used to it and we kind of know uh, what that is, uh, although each casting process is kind of different. And actually, um, just recently having recast Magic uh, for the new cast of that, um, you know, that's been the most unusual because I think uh, the different the parts are so different from each other and have lots of different um, things that need to be, uh, lots of different requirements for the different roles, and particularly so for the understudies, there's, there's lots and lots to to have to be across. Um, but no, I think it's really, really fun. And it's really nice to see what new casts do with the show and um, different choices they make uh, while playing the parts. Um, and the skeleton is always the same. And, 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 you know, the comedic rhythm is, is, is usually the same, but within that there are little variations and occasionally new little jokes and things that come out of different people doing it. Um, and that's always really, really fun to see. And, and, and it's lovely to see new cast, really really owning it i think that's when it's the best you know is when you sit in the audience and watch a show that we did or you know i watched uh you know peter pan over christmas and uh bank robbery you know recently and and it's just it's brilliant to to really yeah just see see a cast really really 
owning the show and making it their own and and, and performing it with with sort of confidence and and panache. That's really really nice to see. Good use of the word panache. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's definitely really um, really exciting to see. Um, I would sort of say that we come in and do the shows and then we hand it over to sort of proper actors, you know, good actors <laughs> who sort of do what they're told and uh, and sort of make the show better. <laughs> well, I don't know. I think that um, obviously we have a, a kind of a particular dynamic, uh, uh, you know, and, and as a group, and I think that's always really good. And I think we have a real understanding of these kind of comedy shows and a lot of experience. And I think that's really useful uh, in terms of putting the shows up for the first time because I think it just gives a, uh, a clear idea of, uh, of, of of what it can be and allows us to road test the the material um, with really solid uh, comedy actors. Um, but then it's really fun to see how people uh, develop it after that as well. Yeah, that's always really exciting. Um, so in terms of uh, the sort of entire scope of, of uh, achievements at Mischief, mm. what is the what is the thing you're most proud of? Wow. Well, I mean, there's been a few. I mean, there's been a few moments. I mean, I think one of the moments that sticks out for me the most was a, I don't know, maybe a relatively small one. Um, but I remember when we were doing the play that goes wrong at the Old Red Lion Theatre. Uh, the second run that we did there was whatever it was, March 2013. Uh, yeah, it was. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, you know, it was seven years ago, and. Um, we did the show and it was going really well and we were, we had, it was full. We were selling the, uh, the, 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 the sort of 60 seats out every day. And we had, um, the programmer from, uh, Pleasance came to come and see the show and, uh, she really enjoyed it. And I sort of ran down afterwards and we've been trying to get her to come and see the show, uh, for a really, really long time. Uh, and she hadn't been able to in the first run, and uh, she we'd invited her to come and see the improv show that we were doing, and she hadn't been able to come and see that. And we were sort of, it was tricky, you know, tricky to kind of to, to pin her down. And we'd applied for Pleasance for, as an Edinburgh venue many years before that, and hadn't got anywhere. And um, so we we sort of, I, I finally I followed my dad's advice actually, which was to to, to say, well, look, why don't we organise a car for you, fancy car. <laughs> <laughs> for you to take you, um, you know, from from work to the theatre to see the show, um, and and take you home again afterwards, and um, and it worked. And uh, I think I think we offered yes, champagne as well. Yes, I remember this. a bottle of champagne in the car, and it worked. And so she said, "That's that's great. Thanks very much." And um, she came and 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 watched the show. And um, I ran down afterwards and said, "Your car's just outside. Uh, what did you think?" And she said, "Yeah, we really enjoyed it, and we have a." Uh, a slot five o'clock in Pleasance above uh, this Edinburgh. If you if you'd like to do it, it's the last slot left to be programmed. And then um, I still remember, you know, going back upstairs and um, uh, and relaying the news to everybody. And uh, John, I think, bought us a, a bottle of champagne, and we all had a glass. And that was a really kind of special moment. And um, I think we've been, you know, we've been trying to sort of break into the more mainstream Edinburgh Fringe for such a long time. That really felt like a a really amazing moment and I think we'd done improv for a long time and I think we'd really struggled to get that to be recognized in a serious way and I think we were you know we, we were just starting to do scripted stuff uh for the first time really and um and and so it was really nice to uh to sort of feel like we'd uh we got something that people really wanted to come and see and that was a really really special moment I think 
Um, yeah. But, bro- but unfortunately, we uh, bankrupt the company with champagne and cabs. <laughs> we did. We did. <laughs> Money well spent. Bankruptcy yeah. well, well worth going through. <laughs> but I do, I do remember that bit, actually. I really remember that as being like the, the moment the kind of first domino fell. Mm. It felt like we were just starting to get some momentum. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really know what it was going to be towards. But I think because it had felt such a long time that we were kind of pushing against the brick wall a little bit. Mm. Yeah, totally, totally. Absolutely, yeah. Well, I mean, I think, and I think, yeah, I mean, I don't know, yeah. It was weird. It's, you know, it's weird. I think, you know, it's really, really hard when you're at the beginning of that, um, you know, and you're on the sort of fringe theatre scene, Um I think we were talking about that at the time, you know, this is a real, uh, we kept saying, I think, you know, this is a, a, a sort of period of transition. Uh, this is a time when, uh, you know, we're, we're trying to work out, you know, how to, how to make this work because people were doing the show, but they were also doing, you know, we all had our own day jobs as well. So people were lo- working crazy hours, you know, working in, well, you were working at, at, at um, the Orange, right? The restaurant. And, yeah, the restaurant. Yeah. Um, you know, I was, I think I was between, a call center and, a, and and GBK and John was at the another charity call center and Henry uh, Shields was at a pub and um you know we were all in different doing doing all that and trying to, to sort of earn some money and at the same time doing a show that we weren't really being paid for but obviously that we wanted to we wanted really badly to work so it, it you know it was a stressful time and a, and and I think we kept saying it was a transitional time I don't know how much we believed that at the time but I think looking back it it probably was. Um, yeah it felt like the kind of first step towards something yeah um okay so moving from uh your sort of a moment you're most proud of in general mischief uh is there do you have a favorite moment from some anything that's happened in any show throughout mischief history (laughs) it's quite Um, a broad question well yeah i mean you know well obviously there's lots of fun moments and lots of nice jokes that it's always lovely to share but if you mean a sort of moment where something unique has happened, then yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I'm always reminded of the time when we were doing comedy about a bank robbery, and um, I was playing Mr. Freeboys, and Henry Shields was playing Mitchell Raskitty. And uh, oh, is this the trousers he, thing? Yeah, the trousers thing. He, so he, <laughs> so there's, there's, it's a it's a big farcical scene if you haven't seen the show, and it, 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 people are running around and, and, and running in and out, and. Um, Mitch has got someone who's disguised as my character. I play the manager of the bank, and they've got a guy disguised as the manager of the bank. Um, and he keeps getting confused between the different ones, and that's kind of the thing that drives the, the comedy. And um, uh, he runs – so he's always, he's always uh, you know, being very nice and kind to the guy who is actually his accomplice, who he thinks is the real manager, and he's always being really rude to me, who's the actual manager of the bank. And he keeps um, – at one point, it comes in and tells me I've got to take off my trousers in order to match uh, the other guy who's also lost his trousers in the scene. Um, but he came in and <laughs> did it a scene too early. <laughs> so he ran on and said, you've got to take off your pants. And I have these tearaway pants that he's supposed to tear off. And then a photographer comes in and takes a photograph of the whole thing. And it's a kind of big sort of ending to a, 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 that kind of little you know miniature sort of build. And um, no, he came on and said, um, "Take off your pants," you know. And uh, I just uh, didn't have the tearaway pants, and we both got very confused. And uh, he was just looking at me, and he just didn't know what to say. So he said it again, and he was just like, "Take off your pants," yeah. And I, I was, 
I was really confused. And we were both just there to be like, I can't, I can't take off my pants. And, and um, no, that was pretty, um, that was a pretty bad moment. Uh, just... I remember watching that scene from underneath the, <laughs> the office truck. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm preset to do all of the uh, the sound effects for your is that a table that the file scene? Yes, yes. And are my characters supposed to be knocked out? So I was like, I really can't help because <laughs> I definitely can't come in. And I just remember seeing Shields go absolutely transparent. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. he was so pale. And I was like, oh, mate, <laughs> there's no way out of this. Yeah, no, it was weird. It was really weird. It was really weird. I, I'm, I'm sort of... I can't quite remember it now, but I do remember at the time it being one of the most bizarre moments on stage. Someone just screaming, take off your pants, and me just sort of not being able to. <laughs> and then, of course, later, you know, <laughs> you know, a, a couple of scenes later, we then had to come out and do that scene again. Um, yeah. Didn't he just say it, like, more forcefully the second yeah, time? Did, and you were did, like, oh, yeah. okay. And then I had the line, this has never happened before, which was quite a weird line in the circumstances because obviously but literally is. exactly that had happened about two minutes. moments. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I think that brings us end uh, to the end of questions from the web. Great. Um, so could you give us the questions from the web outro? That was questions from the web. Yeah, that was good. Good, you perfected it. <laughs> okay, so we're into the final section now, which is the uh, quick fire section. Great. Um, and uh, so I'm going to ask you a load of questions, and just give me some quick fire answers. Okay. Um, do you want to do a quick fire jingle? Yeah. No. <clears throat> that was uh, very quick. <laughs> is that you saying quick fire so quick we couldn't hear it? Exactly. That's exactly what that was. Could we get it again? Quick fire. <laughs> it was quite weird. Too whispered. Maybe I should do it. Um, you know, quick fire. Yeah, that was good. Go. That was very good. Right. Yeah, and it actually kind of sounded like uh, like bullets. That's very that's good. Very... Oh, well, that's great. Yeah. That's that's what it well. Okay. Okay. Are you ready? Yep. Okay. Here we go. What is your favorite color? Blue. What is your spirit animal? A bear. Uh, what? Who is the bossiest member of mischief? The, sorry, the bossiest. Yes. Uh, 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 Nance. <laughs> <laughs> Who is the most likely to corpse on stage? Uh, Charlie. Uh, is a Jaffa cake a cake or a biscuit? Biscuit. How many nips is too many nips? Four. <laughs> what is your favourite film? Uh, 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 Jurassic Park. And finally, who is your comedy hero? Oh, you, Dave. You're my comedy oh. hero. I'll take that. Yeah. I'll definitely take that. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, could you end the quick fire round for us with an outro? It's finished. There we go. I wasn't ready for that. Um. <laughs> it was all too quick fire. I thought you were just going to say quick fire. Again. Yeah, no. Well, I, I, well, yeah. Well, I was going to do that, but then you said outro, and I thought maybe the outro should be different from the intro. But maybe not. Sure, sure. Maybe not. Quick fire. Quick fire. It's good. Okay. Um, okay. And so finally, before you go, just to uh, wrap up, yeah. uh, while people are kind of stuck indoors, um, do you have any sort of top TV recommendations, series, documentaries, anything that you think people, this is a must watch? Oh, yeah. Loads. Loads of stuff. Um, so I'm watching, uh, I'm watching Succession at the moment, which I know also you're a fan of. 
Um, mm. I'm very much enjoying that. I think that's that's really great. Um, it's somewhat bleak. Um, I it mean, is. All of the characters are in many ways deeply dislikable, but yeah, it is good. You it's, it's good. You do, you do. Well, you kind of hate them, and then in the next scene, you you kind of like them, and I, that's what I like about it. But it's um, it no, it's good, and it's about kind of big business and about ruthlessness, and it's um, so if you know if you're a fan of that kind of um, that kind of thing, it's it's a good drama and a, a good sort of family kind of saga thing. That's really good. Um, I also um, started watching uh, Barry recently, which is a HBO thing, uh, comedy about a guy in LA who's a hitman who takes an acting class uh, and kind of tries to leave behind his uh, his assassin days uh, and become an actor. That's kind of funny, and I, I, I'm quite enjoying that. I'm a few episodes into that. Um, and there's been, I mean, what else has there been on? Uh, recently I watched, and I think I probably am way behind the... Uh, behind the uh, curve on this but um uh, recently watched uh, bird box which i thought was great really enjoyed that um, oh is that the thing with sandra bullock yeah yeah the thing with the the, the sort of monster movie i suppose yeah uh, i actually yeah. quite enjoyed that yeah no really good atmospheric john malkovich as well who i, I always love um you can't not like john malkovich absolutely no he's very good um and then uh what else oh and i tell you what else is on bbc iplayer uh, you can see uh what we do in the shadows uh, which i think is absolutely brilliant uh really really funny quirky uh comedy uh 10 episodes about uh vampires <laughs> living in modern day staten island uh and uh trying to take over america uh that's very funny uh and uh, I've, I've really enjoyed that very very silly there's also the movie uh, as well which you can watch uh, also, but at the TV series, I thought was particularly good. Great. Well, thank you very much, Mr. Henry Lewis. Thank you. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. I've been Dave Hearn, chatting to the wonderful Henry Lewis. Uh, keep an ear to the ground for the next episode. Um, I imagine we'll announce it on the Mischief Twitter, uh, and you can follow us at Mischief Comedy if you haven't already, although you probably did have to follow us in order to get the link to this. Uh, so encourage others to follow us at Mischief Comedy. (laughs) Uh, Thank you very much for listening and keep making mischief. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.